Hello and welcome to episode 228 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is Jack Wilson, the vocalist from the incredible band Kid Capisci. I honestly, as it stands right now, truly believe that this is one of the most exciting bands that this country has right now. They've just released a brand new album which is called Here's What You Could Have Won, which on its own is probably the best album title ever. But genuinely, this album is easily my album of the year. I'm so thrilled that I've got to sit down today and talk in great detail with Jack about this album, all about his influences and what made him listen to the sort of bands that he still listens to today. It's a great interview, really fun, and I can't wait to get to it in just a couple of moments' time. But I always like on every intro of every episode of Mark and Me to use that just to touch base and talk about my last episode. It only came out a couple of days ago, but I was joined by Johnny Free Tears from the amazing band Hollywood Undead. This blew up. A massive thank you to the band and Johnny Free Tears for sharing it on their social networks. It was incredible to see all the Twitter traffic, all the Facebook comments and all the incredible response on Instagram because of you guys sharing it. So thank you so much. It was a great interview and I've really, really loved reading all the feedback. So thanks so much to everyone that took the time to listen. But today it's all about Kid Capisci. If you haven't heard this band, as soon as this interview stopped, go and listen to their brand new album. Here's what you could have won. It's unbelievable. Honestly, their set at Reading and Leeds was absolutely mind-blowing and I can't wait to see them again next year. So I think the best thing to do is to get straight to the interview. So here's me and Jack talking all things Kid Capisci. So Jack, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. A pleasure to be here. So Jack, what I like to do with the guests on the podcast is take it right back to the very start. Um, talk to me about when you were growing up. What were those first albums that you remember buying, maybe with your pocket money or money that you'd earned, maybe on a paper round or something, but those first albums <laughs> that you absolutely fell in love with that made you basically listen to the bands that you are today? Yeah, I think when I was uh, when I was really young, actually, um, I was I was obsessed with the Eagles. Weirdly, um, I've always had a bit of a thing for country music. My dad always said that everyone likes country music; they're just too uh, scared to say it. So I've <laughs> uh, I've I've always liked country music when I was growing up. But um, as I kind of reached my formative years, like you know, sort of year seven at school, um, I I think the first thing I really got into was the Arctic Monkeys. Um, which probably won't be a surprise to a lot of people who know our music. Um, but yeah, one of the first albums that I got into is Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not. And I thought that was an amazing album. I thought that it was one of the first albums I felt like someone was speaking in like a, their, their dialect, like an English dialect. It was quite cool. Um, and I, I loved everything he was saying. Um, and what he was talking about felt very relatable at the time. And also loved all of... Um, I was very into like the clash and the specials as well when I was growing up. That's some awesome foundations to build on. And for mm. me, when I went to see a band for the first time, it was sort of like, I'm quite old, but uh, it was like green day, probably like 25 years ago. And yeah. when I saw them on stage, that's when I realized how much of an impact a band can have on you. And my rib cage was shaking and the bass was going through me and all the little hairs on my neck were sticking up and I was blown away. And 
that made me then go to festivals and you know fall in love with live music but what was that first gig that you can remember that made you think i want to do this this is what i want to do for the rest of my life oh, so it's a good one there was um funnily enough the first gig i ever went to was the eagles um i was i was very young my dad took me to go see them um and that that was amazing but i think um when i saw when i saw oasis i saw oasis uh a, a week before they split up at um wembley stadium my my mate at school he uh i don't know how i think he, he had two tickets we we're only about 15 i think um and he gave me one of the tickets and we went and saw Oasis at Wembley and obviously that's kind of monumental uh gig no matter when but especially at that point in their career where they literally split up a week after so that was kind of seeing like 80,000 people 70 80,000 people just in this stadium going absolutely crazy um and yeah you know exactly that the hair standing up on the back of your neck just like watching these icons of of british music culture uh doing their thing that would that for me really kind of i don't know if it solidified me wanting to do music because i didn't actually know that i wanted to do music until a few years after that but i think it definitely sparked something within me that made me really uh take it more than just uh somebody who wanted to be a bystander with music and actually wanted to get involved and obviously in the industry, it's really hard to kind of make a name for yourself and forming your bands in the past. Were you growing up in bands at college and school and stuff? Or was it like Kid Capisci was one of your first major projects? It's the only thing I've ever done. It's the oh, only that's band awesome. I've ever done. Yeah, so we, we like, we always, um, so me, George and Eddie, we all went to school with each other. So even when we were like 12, 13, we were playing music together. Um, literally on our lunch breaks, we would just go to a music room and just play music. Um, that's all we ever did, really. And with no intention of, you know, becoming something more. Um, and then I met Ben further down the line and then we started writing music together. And we never, for what, like, because if you look online, people say, oh, this we've existed as a band for, for God knows how long. And that's true in some respects in the sense that we've, played music with each other for for a really long time but we haven't really we didn't really start writing music and taking it seriously and being kid capici as people know it today until maybe the last five six years or something um but for me it's the only thing i've ever done um uh, the other guys have done other things like little side projects and stuff but this is i put so much into this that i just wouldn't even have the time to to do anything else and also i think if i i don't want to do anything else at the moment anyway because it's like it's so real to me and like heartfelt everything that we talk about and everything we sing about and we are a social commentary band so it would for me it's like it, it consumes everything that i think about and do um so it's i've never really had room to do anything else anyway and I, i've they're, they're amazing musicians so i've never needed to work with anyone else <laughs> And did you have the family backing when you went into this? Because when you're telling your parents that you want to go and put your whole heart into something like being in a band, it's like telling them that you want to be an actor or a footballer. You know, it's, yeah. it's great. And, you know, I'm sure they want the best for you. But I think many parents would be quite concerned thinking, I really hope this pays off because it's not a real job. That's their kind of, you know, some people's vision. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so I, I didn't, none of my family are in the music industry or, or have any... 
Um, you know, I've come from a really working class family. They've they've owned pubs and like, or, you know, rented pubs and worked in sort of like the hospitality industry and stuff like that. So for me to go and do music was, um, you know, completely different from what anyone else in my family had ever done. Um, and it's like my all my grandparents are immigrants, like my dad's side are Italian, my mum's side are Greek. Um, so I was definitely the first person that kind of went to do that. I think I got away with it a little bit because I'm the youngest of my family and I feel like as the youngest, you kind of, you get get away with a bit more. Um, so I, I don't, they, they, uh, they never, they were never unsupportive about it. They've always been, you know, had my back with it. And um, it is a difficult thing. Like you say, saying that you want to go do that is, is a uh, risky business more than risky you know the the likelihood is definitely stacked against you that you'll make a living out of doing it and obviously we've got to the point now where it's it's paid off but no they were they were quite supportive with it um i think because they knew that no matter what they said <laughs> i wouldn't have listened anyway like i don't i think they knew that i was doing it and they and i think they knew that i wasn't doing it to make money or because I thought I was going to make money I was doing it because I felt like I had to and it was the only thing I loved doing and it's always kind of been that situation there's never really been anything else that's I mean I've been interested in it's always just been music 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 so I think they were supportive but I think they knew if even if they weren't it probably wouldn't have uh, changed how I felt about things. You sound and I've only just met you today but you sound so determined and so focused and could you ever imagine your life not going this way with the band? Do you think it was your like, kind of reason to live and breathe is to be in this band and perform and to write songs that have a meaning to them? Because you don't sound like someone that could just work in a shop nine to five and be happy with that. <laughs> well, I have done that and I wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think like, like I'm not like a believer in fate or anything like that. I don't think like you're destined to do one thing or, you know, no matter what happens, like it's either going to work or it doesn't. I think, you got to work really hard, really, really hard. And I think, especially in the music industry, working hard is like just one part of it. You need to you need to work insanely hard. You need to also be good at what you do, and you also need to get a bit lucky as well. And I don't I don't like to think that luck is a thing because I think you make your own luck. But I I do I do believe that there is a a sort of being in the right place at the right time with this industry as well. So I, I do think it comes into it, but I am totally determined with it. It's, I could never see myself doing anything else, even from a young age. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And like coming from a sort of really poor town, it's not poor anymore, but it, it was when I was growing up here. Um, and my, you know, my family didn't have any money or anything like that. Uh, so it always kind of just felt like, why not? You know, why not give it a go? I can either be stuck in Hastings working a nine to five doing something I hate or or I can give it a go. And I've always believed in it. Like there's been times where it's, it's you know, it's got close to the point of being like, can't do this anymore because it felt like we just weren't getting anywhere. But I, if I didn't love it, I would have given up, you know, but I just, the love of music makes you continue to do that. And especially like, because we're writing music that I think, for, for the people who follow us it means a lot to them as well and that also plays a part in it because you know I think it's you owe them people as well that have invested in you to to see it out to the to the end um which we are 
And I think one of the turning points for you as a band was then getting to share the stage and go on the road with Frank Turner. Frank Carter, but oh, yeah. Frank Carter, sorry, yeah. fucking hell. Uh, with Frank don't, Carter. Don't. <laughs> yeah, you're literally, everyone always says Frank Turner, even though they know they're talking about Frank Carter. Do you know, every time, um, yeah, every time I go was... and see them at a festival, they supported My Chemical Romance, Frank Turner. I always get them two mixed up, but yeah, with Frank Carter. It happens all the time. I think I've probably said it about a thousand times. Um, but yeah, he, he gave us our first break, definitely, 100%. Like, I think before that, we were... Nobody really knew who we were at all. Um, and that was definitely the first the first um, break. People always say, like, you, if you're good enough, you'll, you'll get, like, two or three breaks in your, in your career sort of thing. And I think that was our first one. And um, he really, like, took a chance. So, again, like, you know what I'm saying about the whole I don't believe in luck sort of thing. You make your own luck. But that was because we just got on Radio 1. It was our first single that got on the radio. And Jack Saunders loved it and he played it to Frank Carter because Frank Carter happened to be on the show the week we released that song. Um, and, he, and he heard it and Frank's one of these guys that he's quite like impulsive in a very good way. And within, you know, a day he had already messaged us and we were going on tour with him and we're still really good friends and we still see him all the time. So it's like, you know, a, quite a lot of luck involved there in the sense of what are the chances that we put that song out the same week he happens to be on the show with Jack and all of that. But also, you know, you, we we worked hard to get there in the first place. But yeah, he, he helped us and we, we owe a lot to him and he taught us a lot as well about how to be a good live band because I, th- I still think they're one of the best live bands around. Yeah, and... I, I saw them recently at uh, Reading and Leeds and I've seen them at Download yeah. Pilot and... Um... I think they set the bar so high. I was thinking this when I was reading about you guys and the fact that you've gone on tour. It's kind of like an absolute master Jedi to learn from in the fact that you're there <laughs> yeah. on stage every night watching the best, the guy that can walk on stage and get the whole crowd in his hands yeah. by the time he sang the first uh, note from any song. And it must have been a challenge. You must have been like, fucking hell, like, we need to up our game every night to try and get anywhere near this. Yeah, mate. And that's exactly the thing. That's exactly what you want. You want to go on tour with people where you, you're scared almost like to go on stage and play. And you've got 30 minutes to win over however many thousands of people there are in front of you. You've got 30 minutes and that's your job description for the month. You know, make sure you do that. And that's why they've got you there. But obviously they take you there because they believe you can do that. But it was, it was total, totally like Padawan and, and Jedi Master. And learned so much from him and he really like took the time to like nurture that as well he, he you know it wasn't just kind of like watch and learn he I remember on the first show we did in Paris um it, this was like you know because it was our first European tour as well it was the first time we'd ever done a European tour first time playing like venues of that size so it was all quite crazy to begin with and the first night of the tour he's, he's singing I hate you um and I'm at the side of the stage that's my favorite song and I'm just like singing it like towards him but off off stage sort of thing and then he's like starts gesturing to me like come out come on come on stage sort of thing and I'm like no 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 <laughs> and he pulls me on stage hands me a microphone and and we and he just like kind of pushed me in the deep end and was like go and I just sang it um and then he obviously came back in and joined me and then after that show he he just came up to me afterwards and he went right Every single night on this tour now, we're doing that. That's what we're going to do. So it's just like, he's such a amazing, genuine guy. And like to 
to give us a push, a band that literally nobody knew in Europe, especially like we might have had a small following at that point in England, but nobody knew who we were in Europe. And for him to just like have that belief in us and and push us like that was was insane. What a beautiful guy Frank is. Yeah, an amazing amazing. With a band like yourself, you released your debut album and that's kind of your mark on the industry. That's your mark to kind of say this is who we are. And in a couple of weeks, we're only two weeks away now, you've got a brand new album out. Uh, Here's what you could have won. And do you feel that there's a lot of pressure to try and top everything that you've done over the last couple of years with this release in only a couple of weeks' time? Do you know what? No, I don't actually... I haven't felt any pressure. I think we are, without sounding big-headed, we're we're really, really confident with the album. I think... We're fully aware that it might uh, some people who are strictly into like uh, the first album might be deterred. I think there's a chance that that could happen, but I think we're we're willing to accept that. We don't think that everyone's gonna who love the first album and love the rawness of the first album is gonna love the second album um, because it is it is very different when it comes to the production side of things. The first album was recorded literally in a basement during a lockdown by ourselves, um, which I love, because I love that you can hear that about it and then you can hear the progression in the second album. Um, but I didn't, I've, I haven't felt any pressure with it because I think, I think I would feel pressure if we thought it was rubbish. Um, <laughs> but, but I think we're all quite happy with it. And um, even if people didn't like it, we, we as a band are, are really proud of it. Um, so I think because we're so proud of it, we're, it takes the pressure off a little bit in, in that respect. Um, but I'm interested, I'm curious and I'm interested because I've seen people react to the new songs and some people are like, can't believe it, they love it, they think it's the best thing ever. And some people also think it's the worst thing they've ever heard. So so that's that's good. I like, I don't, as long as we're not middle ground, that's all I care about. I don't want people being like, yeah, that's all right. More of the same sort of thing. I would like it to be, feel like we're moving forward, even if that is uh divisive and obviously this time around you got to work not in a basement you got to work in a proper studio and you got to work with um dom from nothing but thieves and i'm sure the production is on another level and this polished sound is different and it's just a better produced album a better sounding album and is that why do you think some people then go against it because it's kind of like the mentality of like i just want the rawness i want you to sound like you're in a garage yeah yeah, yeah, and I don't even blame people for that. Like, you know, I, I get that, but obviously there for us we wanted there to be a natural progression. Some bands like, you know, they do a first album and, and it works and they and they are happy to stay there and it's a conscious decision to stay in that in that realm. Um but we made a conscious decision to to not do that and try and push it forward as much as we could. Um and working with Dom Dom really helped with that. Like um he he took the songs from, you know, I I think again going on tour with them as well and like working with Dom was an, another big big thing for us and he he taught us a lot and le- he, he took the songs like from a like we would write them to like 80 percent completion and then he would help us finish them and it really did a lot and his his production I think um I I love it I think he's done a great job and but yeah it it will it will be divisive in in that respect but um We'll have, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what the what the YouTube comments say. 
And with gigging and stuff, obviously when you were talking then about Frank Carter and being given that kind of 30-minute slot to hopefully win people over, because they're not there for you, are they? That's no disrespect. They're there for mm -hmm. Frank, and the support slot mm -hmm. is very different. But next year in UK and Europe, you go out as yourselves, and it's down to you mm -hmm. to put on the best show. And does that feel like a different, completely different dynamic where you're now going out there with more self-belief? We've not, you know, we're new yeah. to this. We found ourselves. And now do you feel that you can exceed people's expectations because you're more comfortable? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, doing a lot of these support tours really is, it, it, it's all the training you could possibly need because it's the hardest gigs. It's, and I, I love them gigs. I love doing those support slots. You know, if you believe in what you're doing uh, and you feel like you're on tour with the right people, then you don't really, you're not worrying every night like, oh God, they're going to hate us. You're, you're like, we know we'll win a round. Um, so we've had that training in, in a, and we've had like got all them skills in our arsenal now of having to kind of get a completely dry crowd going. Um, so yeah, when we go out and do it ourselves, um, it's going to be a whole another experience. And obviously, we've we've had the chance to experience that in the UK, and we've been able to um, do our own headline shows. And obviously, the 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 vibe is completely different because you know it's just absolute mayhem from the first chord and everyone's singing your songs and everyone's there for you. And we kind of experienced that the other day when we did Reading and Leeds. Um, for the, like, I, it felt like the first time we'd done it because the, the first time we actually did it was 2019 and it was the BBC intro stage. And like I say, nobody really knew who we were. Um, and we went back now after COVID and had like the busiest slot of the tent. And it was just insane. And to have people singing those songs. So you, you go in there with, it's less of a, it's less pressure in some ways, more pressure in others. Because when you're doing those support slots, you've, you've, you have to win them over, but you've not really got, there's no expectations is the word, you know, you can go out there and you can play a really shit gig and get away with it because you're just the support band. Um, but when you're doing your own headline slots, you, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't have a bad night. You can't have a night where you feel like, you, you know, you're letting people down, they're paying to see you. So it's a whole different level of pressure. The pressure's off because you know they're there to see you, but the pressure's on because you know they're there to see you. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's kind of, you feel like you could take your foot off the gas of it, but at the same time, you want to be like the Frank Carter equivalent when you guys were supporting. So someone who's supporting you is looking mm -hmm. up to you thinking, fucking hell, I really hope I can rock out like those guys. Yeah, 100% is. It is definitely like that. And, um, you know, I hope that the people we get to to work with, because we do always like um, try really hard to make sure that we're trying to give opportunities to people, you know, who are in a in a in a lower position or lower down the ladder of you know the music industry or whatever in in, in that position to do that. So I hope that is the case, and I hope that we can um, give something back as well in that respect with with bands that come and support us. And what was it like the day that you woke up and you got told that you could work with Bob Villain? Because I saw him at 2000 Trees this year. And mm. for me, I think he's a future headliner. He's like no one else right now. If you tell me anyone else that sounds like Bob Villain, there isn't. And no, just I totally an agree. absolute genius. And to come back into 2022 with a brand new song featuring him, that must have been something that was like, yeah, this is this is a pinch yourself on the arm moment. 
It was good. It was uh, we met him another one through Frank actually. We uh, we played Frank Carter's birthday party uh, in London when when we first when we first got to know him, and Bob Villain was playing as well. So it was Bob Villain, and then we played. So we met Bob then. So we kind of had a little bit of a link with him. Yeah. Um, and then we, me and Ben wrote New England, um, and we purposely left the the third verse empty, uh, or the fourth, and. Um, we were saying like we just knew from the start of that song that we wanted Bob Villain to do it. It was like we didn't write a song to to work with Bob Villain. We wrote the song and the song just was calling out for Bob Villain on it. We were just like, you know, the subject matter, the vibe, everything about it was just to me felt like Bob Villain. So we um we just messaged him on Instagram, um, like, how you been? Long time no see. Um, here's a track that we're doing. Uh, and this was ages ago as well, because that New England was like the first track we wrote off of this album. Um, and we sent it to him and he got back and was like, yeah, I want to do it. And we were not expecting that because I know Bob is like super uh, careful about who he works with and who he features on and does anything like that. And he's like fiercely independent, which we all admire. Um, so for him to come back and say he wanted to do it was really cool. And then and then he sent over his uh his his verse and we didn't change a single thing nothing changed we literally were like i remember listening to it myself and just laughing at how good it was and 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 just like being like yeah that's it man don't change anything and then we got him down to hastings uh he, he got he got a train um he came into the studio recorded it and he did it so quick and so efficiently that he got back on the next train to London. There was no Fucking trains in between. He literally came, yeah, he literally came down, did the verse, and we were all just like, should we just take you back, man? Because that's it. That's done. Like, do you know what I mean? And it, we just took him back to the train station. He's on the next train. Job done. That's incredible. <laughs> I love stories like that. Are you really excited with the album coming out? I mean, you've probably sat on it for a while. There's been a while since you've not been able to go out mm-hmm. there with the COVID and everything, not to be able to play mm. these new songs. Are you, is it just feel like this is your time now? You can't wait to get back out there, play shows, do what you do. You've just come off Reading yeah. and Leeds with an incredible full tent, absolutely amazing reaction from the crowd. You must be like, just let me get on tour now. <laughs> yeah, well, we always feel like that. You know, like touring is like, for me the the best bit you know touring and writing are, are the bit that's the reason why you do music uh and you know unfortunately that's like 10 percent of it and like, the other 90 percent is like admin yeah. um but it's yeah we're we're like we're dying to get out there and it, and it feels like this is our moment it feels like everything is set up um to go now i think you know next year is uh is is really where we can go for it because you know, we released album one during the lockdown and, and we didn't, it, we weren't expecting it to do anything that it hasn't, you know, like it, it did what we wanted it to do. We kind of just wanted it to be like, a, we exist and here we are. And, you know, this is a vibe for how, how we feel and like get people into the Capici mindset. But this second album kind of feels like, here we are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, definitely. Um, it feels like, we've been able to, there was a lot of constraints on the first one financially and um, production wise. So it kind of feels like, it almost feels like this is our debut album, even though it's not, it it feels like this is our first opportunity to go like, this is what we can really do. And we also feel like we're in a position now where people 
we have a fan base and we can go and tour and play proper venues, you know, like with, you know, not just pubs and things like that. And, and people want to see us. So it's, that is the first time. So yeah, excited is an understatement, super excited for the album to come out and people to listen to it top to bottom and super excited to get out there and play. And, and like you said, it, like you said, it's been so stop, start, stop, start for the last few years that really now we've just got that sort of momentum now and, and we cannot wait to get into next year and do our UK tour and go to Europe and hopefully go to America and do everything that we possibly can because gigging is what we live for. Uh, and with the title, I have to ask this. I, I know it's probably not, but here's what you could have won. That for me mm-hmm. is a famous line. You might not know this because you're younger than me, but from Bullseye, the TV show, Jim Bowen, do you remember it? Yeah, 100%. So it is from that. Um, Fucking brilliant. You're the best my... band on the planet then. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. And Because um, my my fiance, her, her mum loves Bullseye. Amazing. And she has it on like, all the time she's she's like proper loves a throwback and she's always watching bullseye and like all the old catchphrases and stuff like that so um she she says i owe her royalties for that for that album name actually um but it's 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 a bit of both the first one this time next year obviously was a throwback to only fools and horses yeah um but also a, a comment on how we felt and how it felt like everything was on hold and nobody knew what was going on and then here's what you could have won. Again, going to that sort of British throwback um, from Bullseye, but also in a sense of being like, it feels like every single decision that's been made in the last 10, 12 years has gone the opposite way from what I want. And it's almost a similar feeling to watching someone on a game show getting it wrong and you're screaming at the TV because you feel like the answer is so obvious, but they've gone, they've gone right when they should have gone left or, you know, and and they could have won the speedboat, but instead they they won Brexit. You know that's that's kind of the the feeling behind it. So um, yeah, it was definitely bullseye inspired. <laughs> so so is your next album going to be called something like "Say What You See" and it'd be a dedication to Catchphrase and Ray Walker? Well, yeah. Roy Walker, whatever his name is. A hundred percent, it's got to carry on the theme now. Cause definitely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I was just thinking in my head as I was speaking, I was like, well, I wonder what we'll call the third one, but it will definitely be something, I don't know, maybe we'll do like Crystal Maze or something. Weird. Oh, to the Crystal Dome or... Um, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the Crystal Dome would be wicked. That'd be incredible. That'd be or so um, uh, the survey said, and it can be Les Dennis on um, oh, Family Fortunes. The survey, and the the survey, survey says, says. It's a great one. There you go. I See, want the royalties. You know yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just like nicking ideas constantly, but that they're both really good. But yeah, it, that is, it is, it's entirely. Um, when I asked you, you went whole... slightly quiet, and I thought, oh fucking hell, he's going to tell me he's never heard of it, and this is going to be the most embarrassing I'll moment wait. I've ever done. But I I'm... went quiet because I was like, I can't wait to reveal that you are amazing. Correct. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Well, I do on this podcast, and it's my final question for you today, and it is putting you on the spot, but what I've done over 225 episodes, and I asked the same question as my last question to everybody, but it's a good thing for you because you're in a band. Mm-hmm. What I do is I ask everyone to choose the final piece of music that comes on the podcast. Now, it hasn't got to be one of your own. It can be any song by any band that means a lot to you, um, but it's what okay. you think would be the perfect outro song, but I also like the reason of why you've chosen it. Sure. So let's think then. I, I tell you what, let's play Take That by Bob Billen off of his new album. That would be great. I would say something uh, 
Queen related, but I think it's too soon, so we should probably stay away from that. But he has got a lot of songs about the royal family, so <laughs> we'll, we'll go and take that because I think it's an amazing tune off that album. And I think as as we were speaking about him earlier, and he is a, a, a special special artist. Thank you, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'm really excited for the people to hear. Here's what you could have won. I think uh, the UK tour to start next year's perfect timing for you guys. I'll get to one of those shows. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just really excited. I think the buzz after Reading and Leeds, you're just like that band to watch now. And I think you've got it fully capable and you've got the right mindset to tackle this and just prove everyone that you are the band to yeah. watch. Well, I think it's in our grasp. And I think, you know, as much as I was saying in the in the podcast, like that it feels like now's our time. I think it's also like it has to be now. Yeah. I think... Um, you know, you only get one chance. It feel, I think that is the case, like to really explode and kind of do something. And I think if we flop now, that will be it. Like, in all, like you have to take that opportunity. And I think that every, all of our, uh, what, what's the phrase? Something is lined up, you know, every, all our things are lined up. So um, yeah, now is the opportunity. And I don't think there's anything stopping us. I think if we, if it fucks up, it's our fault, probably. <laughs> So there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Jack from the incredible band Kid Capisci. It's one of those guests from the moment we started talking, the chemistry was there. He was so easy to talk to, such a geezer, and his bands are absolutely incredible. So please, if you're listening to this right now, as soon as it's finished, go and listen to them. You'll love them and go and see them live. I really mean it. At Reading and Leeds, they blew everyone away. Everyone was talking about their set afterwards and they really are that band to watch. I'm so excited to see where they go next. And if you listen to the album, here's what you could have won. Tell me, jump on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if it's because of this podcast that you've now discovered Kid Capisci, well, I'm doing my job right. I've really enjoyed today's interview. And like I said, if you've enjoyed it, please share it. It costs nothing to do. And all the links are on markandme.com. If you're a fan of Facebook, go on there and just hit that share button when you see this update for this episode. If you're on Twitter, why not retweet it? Or if you're on Instagram, share it on your stories or even put it as your update. All those people that follow you then get to see this and might just suddenly think, oh, do you know what? I'll check out Mark and me. And then I've suddenly got a fan for life that goes back and listens to all my old episodes just for you literally clicking a couple of buttons and it costs you absolutely nothing. And I do see more and more people doing this every week. I want to say a huge thanks for all those people that do it. But I need more people to do it, so keep on clicking those buttons. If you've also really enjoyed today's episode, why not sponsor me on Patreon? It's an account that not many people know about Patreon, even though it's been going many years. It's basically like buying me a cup of coffee or a cup of tea to say thank you for doing this podcast. You can sign up on the link on markandme.com and on there for as little as £1 a month. That's it. You can't even get a Mars bar from a service station for that. £1, you're getting two episodes a week, and that's at least. As soon as you sign up, you get a set of badges, which are exclusive to my Patreons. You get some art cards, you get some incredible stickers. But not only that, I give prizes away. And starting this month as well, you'll get exclusive episodes that are just for you guys. And every month, thanks to my good friends at Richer Sounds, they give me some incredible prizes to give away. And there can be headphones, they can be a soundbar, they could be a Sonos system. But this is just for saying thank you for supporting me. And it really goes a long way. And every penny that comes in via Patreon allows me to go out there and do more and more interviews, which means more and more podcasts for you guys at home. It's so important and the only way that I can keep this podcast going. So if you've enjoyed today, 
go on markandme.com, click the link to Patreon, and please help me. It goes such a long way. I'll be back in only a few days' time, but until then, please take care. Look after yourself, listen to Kid Capisci, and just stay safe. I'll speak to you all very soon. Elvis was a hero to most but he never meant shit to me because the fucker was whack Plus he hated blacks and he never made one hot track Straight facts, I know they're gonna hate that but their bars low light Take that motherfucker, take that I don't play, don't ramp and none of my heroes appear on a stamp Over five pound note, give Churchill statue the rope and see if it floats Let it sink off coast like the economy sinks but the plan for the future is to eat more Sleep less, work for longer, be poor Set goals you can barely reach for Left on a beach holiday Is that Churchill washed on the seashore? Yeah, let the bitch drown Got the gammons all feeling sick now Wipe my backside with a St George's flag Let the mother country get dick down Big black dick down, mmm honey Laughing joke but there ain't shit funny Still catch Oxford grads when they're buying their coat Make yuppie kids run that money, bitch run that money You don't know what I do to survive Are you with them? Are you with us? Pick a side Britannia, kill the queen, that's a vibe Time to ride Motherfucker, it's madness To make a pound note, man, they're doing backflips Fit food, phone line, doing gymnastics Job pay shit, and they're coming for their taxes I know their tactics, uh-huh For the rich, the rules get bent Nothing to show for the money you spent Privatise your right to a doctor Choose between your health and rent And they're killing off kids with two pound chicken and chips And I'm raised off that, but I gave that back Why? Cause the body gets sick of that shit Get rid of that shit, reaps havoc on the heart and liver And we can't fight if we're fighting our ticker Gotta stay strong, tryna live life long Plus need strength to throw Churchill in the river Yeah, let the bitch drown Got the gammons all feeling sick now Great Britannia's lost all hope She's broke with a hat out performing the whip round Tell her go sit down, mmm honey Laughing joke, but there ain't shit funny Still catch Oxford grads when they're buying their coke Make yuppie kids run that money, bitch run that money You don't know what I do to survive are you with them? Are you with us? Pick a side. Burn Britannia, kill the queen. That's a vibe. Time to ride. Motherfucker, take that. Ha 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 ha!